want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And as I said earlier, we're so glad that you're here. And some of you are from uh, out of uh, state or out of this uh, city of, of Austin, and we especially welcome you. And if, um, even if you are local and a guest or if you are out of town, out of state, uh, I'd love for you to take a moment just to let us know who you are as our guest. And in a few minutes, we'll take up a, an offering today. And if you would just make this your offering, that would be fantastic. That way we as a staff and leadership will know who God brought us um, on this special day, and we can be praying for you. So if you'd do that... That would be great. So Luke chapter 2 is our text this morning. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles. If not, we have it printed here on the screen. Luke chapter 2 is my favorite rendition of the Christmas story, especially as it talks about, uh, I guess, you know, besides Jesus in, in the manger, my, my favorite people of all are those uh, shepherds. And so we're going to look at them for a few minutes today as they were the first heralds of the Christmas uh, message. Over the last uh, few days, and as I've shared this many times with our people, I guess beginning at the Trail of Lights, when I, when I spoke there briefly and almost froze to death, 30 degrees, that is cold. That is really cold in Austin. And the shortest sermon on record that I've ever shared. But I remember the Lord really impressing me then and even today as we wrap up kind of the Christmas season, or my part in, in my speaking, it's just God has reminded me repeatedly, repeatedly through His Spirit, through that still small voice of these words, don't miss me in the little things. Watch for me in the unexpected, in the surprising, because after all, that's how I entered into this very world in a very unsuspecting way uh, through the birth of uh, a peasant girl named Mary. No room in the inn or the guest house. And so I was placed in a manger and a feed trough. And the people that I told the first were the shepherds. So I'm sharing this with you and just reminding me to watch for God during these days, during these holidays, because he may be trying to get your attention and speak to you in a way unprecedented, in a way that he's never done before. And you say, well, you know, that's... Uh, you know, God, I'm, I'm looking for God in the bright and the big and the, and you know, I'm, I'm looking for God just to write it on the sky. And God says, well, sorry, I, I usually don't do it that way. I usually do it in the small, the inauspicious, the inconspicuous. And so be, just let your heart be open and your mind be, you know, malleable and soft to the impression of the Spirit of God. Because I really believe it. And God has impressed me many times this holiday season with this thought, don't miss me this Christmas season. Watch for me in the small, in the unbecoming, in the unseeming ways because that's where I can be found. Last time we looked at the, um, the gifts that God gives to us during the holidays. We, we think about a multitude of gifts. Well, in fact, everything we have, really, if you think about it, is a gift from God. The very breath that we breathe, uh, the very fact that, as I was praying a moment ago, that we live where we live, have the things that we have, and God has so abundantly blessed us in, in this country, but God has revealed himself. And, you know, I look at that as the gift of God, that he would be so awesome and to create all that we see, and yet he loves us, his highest creation, and he wants us to know him. He wants us to be in fellowship with him. So he speaks. He speaks through nature, through history through conscience, through a little child last night with these precious children, about a hundred kids around the altar. And I wish y'all could have seen their faces when we gave them the Christmas gift of the $5 bill. They were like, come on, this is great. And before we left last night, some of those children were already given 
the other $5 to other people in the congregation. In fact, I got one. Can you imagine that? One of the little kids came up to me and said, Here, Pastor, Merry Christmas, and gave me $5. So sweet. And so it's like God is reminding me, just look for me in those moments. Look for me in the small and, and, and watch me as I am revealing myself. Yes, through the macro, through the grand, you know, through the created order and through the, the moral conscience of a, of a human being, ethics, oughtness. Where did that come from? Well, that all comes from God. And God says, yes, I'm speaking, but also I speak preeminently through this book that he's written for us and to, through his son, Jesus, that we celebrate, especially today in, in his birth. Well, as we read the, the story, I, I want to highlight the shepherds. And as we do, we'll look toward the end of the story, the narrative. And, and today is, is our gifts to God. You know, we've been talking about God's gifts to us, and there are multitude, and there are many, and I get that. But I'm thinking about today, what can we offer to God? Somebody said the only thing that you can offer to God that is unique is your worship, is your life. He has everything else, but he doesn't have your life and your worship until you offer it to him freely. And these shepherds, these lowly shepherds living out in the fields with those stinking sheep, those shepherds, I mean, by the way, studying those shepherds again this week, they were ostracized and despised by the society. They were looked down upon. Their occupation was not a very lofty occupation. And isn't it just like God to choose them? <laughs> to choose them because you know why they're humble they're open they're they're available to God and they may be ostracized and kicked out by society but God seems to have a way of choosing that which the world would overlook or pass pass over so today we're going to look at the shepherds and and read with me the, the story the narrative and when we get to verses 16 through 20 especially I'll begin to amplify these gifts that the shepherds offered to God or to the Christ child, and they are the same gifts that I believe God would have us to offer to him today. So let, let's read Luke chapter 2, and beginning in verse 8, says, Now there were in the same country, there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, those shepherds are in the field with their sheep, and they're there to protect them. Think about it. They, the sheep are not highly intelligent. <laughs> In fact, they're pretty dumb when you think about it. Sheep are, and they're the only animal really that gets on its back. It, it's, it's open to predators because and if it gets up on its back, on its hind, you know, and it's got a little, little, I guess you call them little legs. What do you call those little things that are dangling up in there? Somebody has to come and turn them right side up, and that would be the shepherd. So it protects them from predators, protects them from themselves, from swollen rivers, from hyenas, from jackals, from wolves, from intruders. Somebody may want to come and steal them. So the shepherds, they're doing their deal. They're out in the flock with their flock. And verse 9 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Let's let that get a hold of you for just a minute. The angel of God stood before the potentates, the kings, the queens, the royalties, the dignities of this world. Is that what your Bible says? No, it says he stands before these guys, these shepherds. And the Shekinah glory of God shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Can we not get an amen there? I would be terrified and afraid if I'm just doing my deal, keeping my sheep, and my night is 
incredibly interrupted by these ange this angelic being surrounded with the glory of God, and this angelic being is about to speak. And then the angel said to them, watch this in verse 10, Do not be afraid. A better translation of that, that's a present imperative in the Greek New Testament. And, and it's a strong negation. When, when you look at the syntax and the grammar of this, a good translation would be, Stop! Stop! Desist, cease your fear. Stop being afraid. For behold, I... Now watch this. Five words. It takes us five words to get one Greek word. I bring you good tidings. That is one Greek word. It's the Greek word euangelizo. It's where we get our English word. When you transliterate that word into English, guess what word you get? You get the word evangelize. You can, you can check it out. Five Greek words... We get one English, or five English words, we get one Greek word, and it means to tell the good news. So the angel says, basically, excuse me, stop being afraid. You don't need to fear. I've got incredibly good news. And that's what evangelism is, by the way. It's sharing good news. I bring you good tidings of, and I love this Greek word, this, this adjective for joy. It's megale, not micro, but mega joy, great joy, which will be to some of the people on the earth. Is that what your Bible says? It says all. It's all the people on the earth. And by the way, the Greek word there for all means all. Amen. I mean, it's just, it's everybody. I'm bringing you the good news because you're about to be ambassadors of the good news. And this good news in Israel, it's going to expand to the Roman Empire. And it's going to go through the, through the ages of time, through the millennia of time. And lo and behold, here we are in Austin, Texas. And it all began right here. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all-inclusive, all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior... Who is Christ the Lord? Oh, so rich, isn't it not? The city of David is Bethlehem. A Savior is someone sent by God to redeem and rescue. The Christos, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Kyrios, the Lord Himself. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe, babe wrapped in swaddling cloths or clothes, lying in a manger, lying in a feed trough. It's just astounding to me. Peasant girl Mary, give birth to the Messiah. There's no room in the guest quarters. And so they, they're born in the stall, and they, they, he's born in a stall, and they place him in a, in a manger, in a feed trough. And the angel's telling the shepherds all this, saying, yeah, just believe me, it's really going to go down like this, and y'all need to go check it out. And suddenly... Verse 13 says, There was with that one angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Well, is that not a word we need today in our earth in 2016 on the brink of 2017? Man, with Russia kicking up her heels and China not too happy with us, always turmoil in the Middle East. And there seemed to be so much turmoil and angst and and now the Israeli and the Palestinian, if you watch the UN resolution this past week, I mean, here it comes again, all this turmoil and all this fervor and all this excitement. And, and yet in the midst of that, God says, but my design for you is peace, peace and goodwill, mercy, not ill will, but goodwill toward men. 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. Here they are, the shepherds. They said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying. They, the shepherds, made widely known the saying which was told them, remember, by the angels concerning this child. And all those who heard it, they marveled at those things which were told by them by the shepherds, or told them by the shepherds. In contrast, all of this excitement and extrovertism and all of these things that are bustling and happening, there's Mary, contrast this with her, she kept all these things. Symbolo is the Greek word. It means to piece them together. She puts them all together and hides them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned. Man, I just love these guys. Look at them. Can y'all see them just doing a little shepherd jig? I mean, just kidding. Oh, man, look what we saw. And, and they're running back out to the fields. And by the way, that's where they work. And they glorify and they praise God for all the things that they had seen and the, all the things that they had heard just as it was told them. So th there are three things in this text toward the end of the narrative that I want to look at with you today just for a few minutes. And it's the gifts that the shepherds gave to the Christ child. And I believe it's the same gifts that God would love for us to give uh, to him as well. Now, last week we looked, again, at all the gifts that God pours out upon us. But what is it that God would have us to give him on this Christmas day? I don't get to say that very often, do I? To get to preach on Christmas day. Well, the first gift is the gift of obedience. It's the gift of obedience. In verse 15... Uh, the shepherds said to one another, Okay, the angel told us to go to Bethlehem, so let us now go to Bethlehem. And verse 16 says, And they did so with spudo, is the Greek word. It's, it's the word translated haste. You say, that sounds a lot like our English word speed, exactly. They had alacrity and eagerness and, and joy and anticipation and excitement, and they had heard this angelic voice, and they had... They had heard the command, now go to Bethlehem and look and seek and find. And so the Bible says the shepherds had a little meeting together and they said, let's do it. Let's obey the voice that we have heard from heaven and let's go directly to Bethlehem. And, and they did. One writer says this about these, these shepherds and what, is, what they're experiencing. He says, you know, this shalom, this peace that is mentioned to the shepherds for Israel is not only a, a peace for Israel, but it's a peace for the cosmos. It should not be read in an exclusive sense. No, it's the peace, not just to a select group whom he favors, but it's the peace for all. In the birth of this child, God's mercy has fallen upon the world, and he gives the news, the message to a group of shepherds, and he tells them, the peace of God has come. Now go and see it confirmed in the manger in Bethlehem and meet the parents and then go and broadly publicize and proclaim. What do you do when you're given a divine command? Do you respond with eagerness and alacrity and obedience and with joy? Or do you hesitate, procrastinate, 
delay, analyze, or do you just say, God, this is what you asked me to do. This is what you're commanding me to do. So, God, I guess I'll just go and do it. I'm glad they didn't procrastinate and say, wow, this is really interesting. You know, tomorrow or to the next day, we ought to really go check this Christ child out. They didn't do that. They didn't become puzzled. They didn't have the analysis uh, or the paralysis of analysis. They didn't just analyze and dissect it and say, you are one interesting angelic being. And we're going we're to contemplate you for just a few hours and days and weeks maybe. And we're going we're to talk among ourselves. There's a little shepherdology here. We're, we're going to meet together and analyze. Why. They didn't do that. They just said, whoo, man, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go. And tell you something else they didn't do. They didn't become preoccupied. They didn't pre become preoccupied with themselves and say, well, you know, we probably ought to go home and change clothes. You know, we're, we're smelled just like the sheep, and we probably ought to go and tell our families, our wives, our moms and dads and kids, and, and maybe we ought to kind of check in with them first, and then, then we'll make our way on over to Bethlehem. They didn't do that, but how they responded was with passionate pursuit and obedience. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I, I, no, I don't read minds, but I just, I know human people. I know humanity. If God spoke to me like that, then I would obey. But God ain't spoke to me like that, preacher. And I'm here on Christmas because this is the cultural thing to do in America. But the I tell you what, I'll make, a, I'll make a bet with you. The day God speaks to me with an angelic being in the heaven, among the heavenly host, up, up in the sky, then that's the day I'll bend my knee and that's the day that I will become a follower of Christ. That day will never happen because God has already done that day. <laughs> He's done that day in far greater ways than an angelic being up in the sky. He has given us His Son. He allowed Him to die on a cross and He went to a tomb and the tomb is empty. How much more evidence... How much more empirical evidence do we need than a babe born in a manger and a Christ on a cross and an empty tomb? Praise God. It's like God is shouting at us. And he's verified his story over and over again through history. Yes, through nature, through the inner conscience of man, through the written Bible, through the living Christ. And it's like he's just shouting at us, I love you. Believe on me. Trust in me. Just like these guys did with faith, simple faith, no delays, no rationalizations, no excuses. God spoke to their heart, and off to Bethlehem they went. Here, here's a second thing I want to challenge you with and encourage you with. Some of y'all are looking at me like, well, you, you've gone to preaching now. You sound like you, you've left the story. Praise God. That's what I do. That's, I love to preach. The, I love to challenge people. I love to challenge people in the way they think and, and the way they respond to God or the way they don't respond to God. Here's a second way is witness. In verses 17 through 19, it says they, 17 says, they made widely known. That's the only time. It always fascinates me as a, as a student of Greek and literature. It's the only time this verb is used in the entire Greek New Testament is on the shepherds. And when it says they made widely known. Now I'm going to lose a little, I'm going to use a little bit of imagination here. They're publicizing, they're broadcasting. I mean, wouldn't you, 
angel speaks to you, and I don't know who they passed on the way to, uh, to Bethlehem, but they probably told everybody they came in contact with. And when they got there in the manger scene, in the nativity, in the stall there, and these shepherds with gaping eyes are looking upon the Christ child, and there's Joseph, and there's Mary, and they just start talking. I bet they were talking faster than I'm talking right now. They just couldn't quit talking going, oh my word, the angel said it and there it is. Oh, let me tell you what the angel said. Let me tell you about the other angels coming and singing. This is just amazing. And maybe Joseph is going, that is amazing. And and maybe some some of the other people are there. You know, there's no room in the guest rooms and there's this big census being taken and all the The other places are occupied, and maybe Mary and Joseph are not alone. Maybe there's some other people in there, and the shepherds just tell them all. Just tell them all. Tell everybody in there that, let me tell you what I've seen and what I've experienced, and there he is. Man, boldness, witness, evangel, if you will, evangelizing everybody they came in contact with. These shepherds, they speak to me. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Um, Our son, Bryant, um, he's at his church this this morning, and he's he's working as an intern up in in Dallas. And a couple weeks ago, he sent us a text. Bryant's always sending us texts and stories and songs, and and I love that because I like listening to songs and and stories, and he sent me an interesting one about a Baylor University basketball player. And I was watching, uh, by the way, Baylor's on a roll in basketball, if you haven't noticed yet. Are they still undefeated, Ernie? Have they, have they lost a game yet? They haven't lost a game yet? Good. Makes my story even better. Anyhow, no, they're undefeated. Scott Drew is the, is the basketball coach. Really, he's an evangelist who masquerades as a coach. If you watch his life and study Scott Drew, he is a strong, verbal, and living testimony and witness. So Bryant sends me this video clip, and it has this student athlete named Manu LeCompte. And he is sitting there at the press conference, and he starts telling his story. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, is this real? Is this true? I mean, and, and I was looking at this young man. He's about 19, 20 years of age, and he's just leaning up against the press conference table, and he's going, yeah. He said, my life's been kind of messed up until, until last night. Coach Drew spent two and a half hours with me. And, well, let me just read it to you, what he said. I ended up giving my life to the Lord last night. And ever since that night, just last night, I have a completely different outlook, and I have peace. God was tugging at my heart to surrender myself to Him. I am at peace now, and I feel better about everything. Wow! Isn't that good? I mean, that was on ESPN, and that was on ABC. That was everywhere. And there he was saying, my coach met with me for two and a half hours last night, shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I repented of my sins, and I gave my heart to him, and man, I've got peace now. Glory to God. That's, that's exciting. And he, you know, it's not just for Coach Drew or the shepherds. That's for me and you, that if we know him, what kind of place could this be If we were evangel, if we were witnesses, if we were telling everybody 
Now, I can't tell you how many students that Coach Drew has witnessed to that said no. That said, thank you, Coach. I know that's what you believe. That's not what I believe. Thank you, but no thank you. Last night, uh, right after the service, somebody came up to me and said, there are a group of Muslims in the back, and they want to talk to you. Well, I don't know if y'all been reading the, the news and talking about there's, there's a good chance somewhere in the world that more Christians are going to be persecuted, and there's just some high alert stuff going on, and praise God protected us all last night. But you know, it didn't even cross my mind. Somebody came up to me and said, there's a group of Muslims, they want to talk to you now. And I said, well, let's go talk to them. So I went out into the, into the foyer there, and there was a man named Muhammad. Guess what religion he's from? <laughs> and there was another guy that I can't remember his name. And he began to evangelize me. He began to share passionately with me his belief about Islam, about Muhammad. And he began to try to point out contradictions to me in the Bible and what's going on and what's the real religion and what's the deal. And y'all know what I did? I did nothing. I just stood there and listened to him and gave him great respect. As this young 25-year-old bright young man from Afghanistan began to evangelize the preacher at Great Hills. Well, didn't you lay hands on him, just kick him out of the church? Didn't you do that? No, I didn't. This is what I did. I said, thank you for sharing your religion with me. And by the way, I have great respect for you because you are passionate about what you believe. And it messed him up. He was like, what, 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 what? I said, now I want to talk to you about, about what I believe. The fundamental difference, there are many, but the key cardinal difference between Islam and Christianity is what happened at the cross. Your religion says, the Quran teaches that an imposter went to the cross. He said, that's right. Jesus never died on a cross. And I said, but the Bible says he did die on a cross and he arose from the dead. And because we are so sinful, and I said, by the way, you're talking about all the prophets in the Old Testament were sinful. So was Muhammad. He had his own issues and his eyes got like that big. I said, we all got our issues except Jesus. He came. He lived a perfect life. He, he came from heavens to redeem you and me. And that's our, our message. And I said, and Andy, this is something Andy Spencer and I have been talking about recently. And I said, you know, isn't it neat that you and I can have this dialogue, this debate, and we can absolutely disagree on the fundamentals of our religion, and yet we can have compassion for one another and we can respect one another. And I kid you not. This is what this young man did to me. He looked at me in the eyes and he said these words. Can I give you a hug? That's what he said. And he, he, you could tell he was, he was moved. He was changed. And, and I said, absolutely. So I embraced him and the other Muslim man standing there, he looked at me. It was kind of awkward. He went, he just kind of hugged me too. You know, it's like, okay, okay. And I said, I'm sorry, but I, I've, I've got somewhere I need, I need to be and I need to run. They said, oh, no, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. He was a totally different guy in the first few minutes of then just listen and then speak. Listen, guys, that's what God wants us to do. He, he doesn't want us to win arguments. He just wants us to love people and tell the story, okay? And then God takes care of the rest. So the witness, the shepherds, Coach Drew, and even your pastor last night. Number three, and finally, is worship. This is the last gift. And as I said earlier, it's the only gift that you and you alone can give God. And it's worship. Verse 20 says, And then the shepherds returned, 
They returned back to from whence they came, if you will. I think the shepherds went back to work or maybe, maybe they went back out in the fields. Maybe they had gotten some people, hey, watch our sheep for just a few minutes, but we got to go. We got to run. And so we, they did. And, and now they came back. But watch what happens when they come back. It says, and they glorified God. They praised God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You know, they, they worshiped in the manger, and then when they left the manger and they left the Christ child, it, they were changed, and, and they were praising God and singing to God, and, and that's what God wants us to do. God wants our devotion. He wants our worship. He wants us to be joyous. He wants us to tell other people. He wants us to obey Him. But I really think as we leave today and as we go open up presents and as we eat way too much food and as we enjoy one another's company, may we in the midst of all that just pause and say, isn't God good to us? And give Him worship and give Him praise and just give Him thanksgiving. I know that's what we're going to do in my home. We have our traditions and I know you do yours and I read Luke chapter 2, and then we, op and we pray, and then we open up presents, and we include Jesus. We want Him to be the centerpiece because, after all, it's all about Him. So obedience, witness, and worship. Which one of these three in particular is God asking from you today? There could be, just, there could be one in particular. If you don't know the Lord today... And God is some distant figment in your imagination and in your thought. And God is calling you saying, give me your obedience. Give me your heart. Give me your life. Matthew 1, 21, she will bring forth a son, call his name Jesus, and he will save his people. He will save you from your sins. The thing that blocks you, the thing that prevents you, from enjoying the peace and joy of God is our sin. And so Jesus came to take care of that, and he did on the cross. And if you, ooh, listen to this, if you acknowledge that, and you believe that, that that babe born in Bethlehem lived a, a precious life, a perfect life, died on a cross, arose from the dead, you can be saved, you can be forgiven, you can go to heaven when you die. You say, man, that sounds good. What do I need to do with that? How much is that going to cost me? What, what do I need to do? No, you just got to believe. You got to trust and you got to say, I'm sorry for my sins and I'm giving you my heart and my life. So somebody here today, or else it wouldn't be so impressed upon my heart to say these words, somebody here today needs to obey for the first time. Some of us need to be better witnesses. We need to tell like the shepherds, tell the story over and over. And then all of us need to worship. Just give God our praise, not only our verbal praise, but the way we live our lives, the way we treat one another. You know, I, I think sometimes, well, let me rephrase that. I think all the time God is more interested in the way we worship Him and live for Him outside the church than He is inside the church. Because we can all put on a show in here, amen? We can put on a show here, but you can't put a show out there where you're in the, in the world and you're talking to people and you're dealing with people or people maybe in your face or people that are trying to give you a hard time and then you love them and you, you obey the great commandment, which is to love God and to love your neighbor. Well, thank you for letting me share my Christmas message with you. And what I want to do at this time is just ask you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And we want to have a time of, of prayer and a time of singing as we 
as we wrap up and head out today. Thank you so much again for being here. Lord, thank you for being here, and thank you that by your Spirit you are here. And the Lord, we are so, we're so moved, God, and, and changed through this nativity, through this story, this narrative of God becoming man. What a miracle. The incarnation and the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. Only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Lord, I pray for each person that is here today. Again, I thank you for their presence. I thank you for their time. And I pray for them, Lord, that each person that you're drawing to yourself, that they would surrender their heart and their life to you. And that, God, they would say, yes, I believe, and I'm trusting Jesus and him alone for my salvation. For others, Lord, for believers like myself, I pray for us that we would seize the moments that you give us these opportunities, God, to witness, to speak a good word about the Christ and to tell people about our church and tell people about how God can make a difference. Thank you, Lord, for this young man, LeCompte. Thank you for his boldness that he would say, God changed my life and I have peace now. And I, I'm so moved by that and I appreciate his, his testimony. And finally, Lord, I pray that we would, even in a moment, when we stand to our feet, we would worship you as a people. And Lord, if there's anybody here today never yet become a follower of Christ, that today would be this day. And they would respond to you, Lord, with, with faith and repentance and belief. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to be up here at the front. We will have an invitation time. If anybody's here want to come, you want to pray, you want to talk to someone about the Lord, we'll do this for a few moments, and then we'll continue on with our worship. So, Brother Terry, you lead us in a song.